Bernie Sanders breaks up a brawl in the Senate. Uh, but is it unprecedented? I'm going to show you how it's really not. What the 10 Freeway says about the USA infrastructure. And can you really afford Thanksgiving this year? I mean, really, if you think about it? Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the Crowcast. I am Corell. Happy Wednesday, Thanksgiving, a week from tomorrow, whether you're ready or not. The holidays are upon us, honey. They are here. All right, so Bernie Sanders today had to break up a brawl. Yesterday, actually, had to break up a brawl uh, between a senator, a Republican from, I believe, Oklahoma, uh, and the head of the Teamsters. Uh, and it got ugly. He was like, you know, well, you name the time and place. Well, this is the time and this is the place. How about you just stand your butt up? Literally, this... U.S. Senator from Oklahoma uh, was going to attack the head of the Teamsters. He just thought that this was the thing to do. Uh, and, and, you know, Bernie Sanders is like, you're a United States senator for the love of God. You know, sit down. We are not going to have physical altercations. This is unprecedented. This is unheard of. Well, actually, it's not. Uh, and, I, you know, I thought about that today when I heard everyone's uh, upset yesterday to all of this, the newscasters and everybody, they were just like, oh my God, you know, what decorum and this has all fallen into disarray and, you know, this is, look what the Senate has become and, you know, all of this. And I thought, these are not students of history. Because if you were a student of history, you would know that violence on the floor of Congress, either in the House or the Senate, is really not that uncommon. Starting back in 1798, Okay, back in 1798, when Federalist Congressman Roger Griswold of Connecticut attacked Democratic Republican Party Matthew Lyon of Vermont. And yes, the Republican Party used to be called the Democratic Republican Party. And as a nod, as a deference to Thomas Jefferson, actually, uh, they dropped the Democratic out of there. But yeah, that, that used to be the name of the Republican Party, the Democratic Republican Party. Uh, and so, yeah, this Federalist got into a fight. Uh, on the floor of the Congress uh, by taking his hickory walking stick into the chamber and conking the guy on the noggin. Just, you know, beating him up with his walking stick. Uh, he became the first congressman to have charges filed against him uh, by the Ethics Committee uh, for bonking another <laughs> senator on the head with his, with his walking stick, with his cane. Uh, December of, 19, of 1837, John Wilson, the Speaker of the Arkansas House of Representatives, President of the Arkansas Real Estate Bank, stabbed Representative J.J. Anthony to death during a legislative dispute on the floor of the Arkansas House. Okay, stabbed him to death. May of 1856, Congressman Preston Brooks of South Carolina assaulted Charles Sumner of Massachusetts for a speech of his saying Brooks's cousin, Senator Andrew Butler of South Carolina, took a mistress who, though ugly to others, is always lovely to him, though polluted in the sight of the world, is chaste in his sight. He means harlot, uh, or I mean a harlot. So, yeah, so they got into it. <laughs> uh, and, of course, there was a big brawl. Uh, and there were charges. February 1858, Congressman Lawrence Keat uh, of South Carolina was involved in another incident of legislative violence less than two years later, starting a massive brawl on the House floor during a tense late-night debate. 
he became offended when a Pennsylvania congressman and Speaker of the House, uh, Galusha A. Grow, stepped over the Democratic side, stepped over to the Democratic side of the House chamber while delivering an anti-slavery speech. April 1860, during the anti-slavery speech by Illinois Representative Owen Lovejoy on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, Lovejoy condemned the Democratic Party for its racist views and steadfast support of slavery. As Lovejoy gave his speech condemning the evils of slavery, several of the Democrats present in the audience, such as Roger Atkins Pryor, grew irate and incensed over his anti-slavery remarks and threatened him with physical harm, brandishing pistols and canes. <laughs> February 1887, the Indiana General Assembly experienced a massive brawl between Democrats and Republicans. February 1902, uh, we again, another brawl. South Carolina versus South Carolina. Uh, Benjamin Tillman of South Carolina accused John L. McLaren of South Carolina of treachery. And they went at it. March 1985, on the House of Representatives chamber floor, Democrat Thomas Downey of New York confronted Robert Dornan, a California Republican, and Dornan grabbed Downey's tie in response. Downey uh, approached Dornan in response to a speech he had given two days earlier, and the two went at it. Uh, June of 2007, during the final days of the 2007 regular session of the Alabama State Senate, Republican Senator Charles Bishop of Jasper punched Democratic Senator Lowell Barron of uh, Fife in the head <laughs> after the latter allegedly called the former a son of a bitch. The two were then pulled apart by bystanders in the room. June 2011, during a vote of California budget, state Democrat Assemblyman Warren uh, Furitani and Republican Doug Wagner broke out into a brawl over a comment Wagner made that Furitani deemed offensive. December 15, 2015, a bloody backroom brawl between the mayor and a council member at a city council meeting in Birmingham, Alabama took place. May 2017, during a contentious 2017 Texas House of Representatives session, an altercation was observed after Republican State Representative Matt Rinaldi uh, was pushed uh, and received death threats. January 2023, let's not forget that someone tried to attack Matt Gates. Uh, so, our legislative bodies here in the United States are not as peaceful as Bernie Sanders uh, yesterday would have liked all of us to believe. There's actually been a shooting. There's been stabbings. There's been using canes. Uh, there's been all kinds of violence. And, you know, I get it. Politics is a very passionate thing. And we expect senators and congresspeople to be above it. What was going on yesterday was downright schoolyard. I mean, the two of them should have just whipped it out to see who had the bigger one. Because ultimately... That's what this is all about. What didn't you hear in all those offenses that I just listed? What didn't you hear? A woman's name. You didn't hear a woman's name. Women have never brawled in any legislative body that I could find. Period. End of story. And there have been women in them since the 70s. And yet women have not broken out into a catfight. Only the men. If that is not another great argument as to why we need to have more women in politics and less men, 
then I don't know what is. Because it appears testosterone is very dangerous in the House and Senate or in state legislative bodies. Just, just so you know. So as you hear today in the news about yesterday and the brawl that almost broke out and Bernie Sanders having to calm them down, when people start talking to you about this, just remind them that over 10 times in the Senate or the Congress, as well as over 10 times in state legislators, uh, for over 20, for a, a cumulative total of over 20, there have been brawls, there has been stabbings, there has been shootings. These people are not saints, uh, and some of them are downright despicable. Now, if they had behaved like that at any other job, they would have been fired. If what happened yesterday in the Senate happened at your workplace, the person would have been fired. But see, there's no repercussions for what that guy did from Oklahoma. He'll probably get votes because of it, because he was tough to the Teamster guy. By the way, my money was on the Teamster guy all the way. Would have would have just wiped the floor with this guy. Just Mullins, I think his name is. The What are the names of the two people involved yesterday? It was Mullins and uh, Senator Mullen, a Republican from Oklahoma. And then the Teamster's name was Sean O'Brien. O'Brien, honey. Irish. An Irish teamster. Honey, you ain't going to whip his ass. Okay, that ain't going to happen. Mullins would have gone home to Oklahoma all bloody. But I, for one, would have liked to have seen it. I don't know about you, but I am ready for those bitches to start slapping each other up there in the Senate and the Congress. I really am. If it gets them to shut up and do something, let the brawls begin, honey. Let them begin. All right. We're back in just a second. We are eight days out from Thanksgiving. It's broadcasting from a completely different point of view. Yours. Listen daily to the Corelcast on your favorite streaming service. You're listening to the Corelcast. Driving you home or driving you crazy. An arsonist has crippled the city of Los Angeles with one fire, just one fire, and the city has been brought to its knees. Now, I'm sure you heard that there was a, a fire started on pallets in a store yard uh, under, that spread to under the 10 freeway, okay? Now, some of you uh, may not have ever been on the 10 freeway. I have actually traveled the 10 freeway from where it begins in Santa Monica at the pier to where it ends in Jacksonville, Florida. I've gone all the way across with my late husband, Andrew, Karen, our producer, Tiffany, our engineer, Clay Rowe, uh, and we did the entire 10 freeway from beginning to end. It was quite a, a fabulous extravaganza. Uh, so the, I'm very familiar with the 10. And the 10 freeway is a major, major artery in Los Angeles. It runs east and west. So it goes from the beach in Santa Monica all the way across the city, all the way. It goes out. It goes everywhere. It goes out through Palm Springs. It continues into Arizona and then New Mexico, Texas, all of the South, Louisiana, Mississippi, all of that, and ends in Jacksonville, Florida. It is a major artery for the country. 
and a major, major artery in Los Angeles, okay? And there's the 91, which travels that same way, and the 215, which travels that same way, but those are miles and miles apart, and they do not go the exact way that the 10 freeway does. By the way, if you are watching Lessons in Chemistry on Apple TV+, Plus, a great series, uh, it was one of the fights being fought in that show was they were trying to stop the 10 freeway because when they built it, they destroyed many black communities just because they were black communities because they thought, well, they're downtrodden people and this will be, you know, good for them to relocate. Uh, so they destroyed thriving black communities. And it's a reason now why along the 10, there's a lot of industrial as well as a lot of minority communities. So this fire happens in Los Angeles. Uh, and it happens under the 10 freeway, and the 10 freeway is now closed for up to two months. Not a few days, but closed in both directions, right near downtown, near USC, the university, for two months from one fire. One fire has crippled one of the major arteries in Los Angeles, and that crippling will be felt in many different communities, not just L.A. And when you think about that, you think about how easy it is for our infrastructure to be crippled. One fire under one stretch of freeway closes it for two months. And there's no workaround. There's no, you know, adjacent freeway that can handle the overload. It is going to be traffic nightmares through the entire holiday season in Los Angeles. People are going to have to give themselves hour, two hour extra time just to avoid this one area of the freeway. And I got to thinking about how that shows how ridiculously horrifying our freeways are. And how our transportation, now, there's no real high-speed train. There is a train that goes down the middle of the 10. I think that train line actually is going to have to be halted as well. And so, if you look at the fragility, okay, of our infrastructure, you'll realize that it's a freaking mess. We have bridges that can be taken out with one fire and then take down an entire transportation corridor. Look what weather does. Weather constantly is kicking our ass and closing roads and closing bridges and closing this and closing that. Our infrastructure for transportation, and I hate to tell this to Pete Buttigieg because I like him, but our transportation infrastructure sucks. It is not in the 21st century by any means. And the fact that they're going to repair this bridge in six weeks, I mean, that's great, but six weeks? Six weeks. Why not have crews out there 24-7 and repair it in a week? And why, why aren't we redoing all of this infrastructure to where things like weather and or fires can't take them out? Are we not smarter than that? I guess we're not. I mean, look around in your community. The roads probably suck in some areas. Bridges are probably less than safe and none of it modern. The 10 was built as part of the New Deal back in the 50s. It's nearly 100 years old. All of our infrastructure for travel in this country 
is almost 100 years old. Unless it's part of a new community. But the main arteries, they're ancient and they're falling apart. And they're easily taken out. Now, I know y'all don't really think about it. You just go use the roads. They're there. Here in Vegas, our roads are crap. The Formula One is coming. They've repaved some of the roads. The others are still crap. Potholes that'll destroy your car. And yes, when one is closed down, one of the arteries, the entire city suffers. That's just dumb planning. Being reliant on the 10 freeway so heavily, that's dumb. Not having a workaround is dumb. Not have, why don't we have more underground transportation? Can anyone tell me that? Outside of money, and we've got plenty of money, why don't we have underground transportation? Why isn't there tubes connecting every airport in this country? So let's say, you know, freeways and, and, and airplanes can't take off. Then you could go downstairs, hop in a tube, and get to the next airport or, or in, you know, anywhere you want it to be. Why is that so futuristic? Why does that sound so ridiculous? Why does a futuristic transportation system for all people sound like something out of the Jetsons instead of something we can actually do because we don't have anyone with the vision to do it. And I, again, I love Pete Buttigieg. I do. But all he's doing is fixing what's there. We need to demolish it all. The 10 freeway should be a relic. There should be underground freeways with electric vehicles so there's no emissions. There should be high-speed trains already that can pick up the slack, but there aren't. There's one in Los Angeles, the 10. I believe it's the yellow line, the blue line to the yellow line. One. Look at San Francisco. Look at, oh, my God, every time I went there, I just thought to myself, terrorists could cripple this city just like that. They're just going to take out one bridge or take out one freeway interchange where, like, four— there's a place in L.A. where four freeways meet, the 110, the 10, the 5. If You've seen it. It's that four-leaf clover. If they took that out, they could literally halt traffic in L.A. We are just sitting ducks for catastrophe in so many ways, and we never prepare, like the climate. We're not being smarter than the climate. We're not building houses that can withstand climate change. Here in Las Vegas, we're building houses left and right. None of them are energy self-sufficient, water self-sufficient. None of them are underground, and none of them are under domes. Why aren't we doming Las Vegas and Phoenix and all of these cities that are suffering this great and intense heat? Because we're idiots. A high-speed train from Las Vegas to Los Angeles has been a dream since I was a child. Countries have been built faster. Dubai was built in eight years. We still don't have a high-speed train from Las Vegas to L.A. and L.A. to San Francisco. Or all the way to... Why isn't there a high-speed train from San Diego to Washington, to Seattle? Why? Because no one's wanted to build it. Because no, the oil companies tell you you don't need it. You got your car. You could fly. And look at flying. Weather stops flying. Weather. Something that's going to get more and more severe. Are airports making contingency plans? No. Are we finding new ways to get around at high speeds that the weather can't bother? No. The human race, in particularly America, is just one catastrophe away from being ground to a halt. And the 10 freeway proves that. 
And it's if one random act of arson can cripple a city, and the arsonist didn't even plan that. It's just a perk. But if one random act of arson can take down a major freeway, then we're in trouble. You know, if one if blowing up one intersection or one bridge or one area can take down a city, we're a mess. Speaking of a mess, eight days from now at Thanksgiving, can you afford it? We've got the new estimates of what it's going to cost you to feed your family on Thanksgiving. And they're whack, by the way. I saw the, the numbers. They're they're way out of line. We're going to ask if you can if afford you're it. visiting reallycorel.com daily, you're missing out. Get the podcast videos and the blog, including recipes, at reallycorel.com. That's really K-A-R-E-L.com. It's broadcasting from a completely different point of view. Yours. Listen daily to the Corelcast on your favorite streaming service. You're listening to the Corelcast. Driving you home or driving you crazy. Can you afford Thanksgiving this year? Really, can you afford it? There's such a, a, a such a disparity between what stores are paying wholesale for food versus what they're charging. Can you afford Thanksgiving this year? Are you scaling back? Are you even having Thanksgiving? Before we get to that, I do want to tell you, because I tell you all everything, uh, today my mind has been a bit distracted on this Wednesday. Uh, you see on Tuesday, yesterday, uh, Ember threw up at one in the morning, my dog Ember, and on the bed. And then she got up and ate breakfast and then threw that up. And then she ate a snack and threw that up. So she had to go to the vet. And not only was that a $500 visit, uh, but uh, we still don't know what's wrong. And so they gave her a nausea shot and they're hoping it's just gastritis and not a pancreatitis or whatever. Uh, I don't know if she's throwing up today yet because she hasn't eaten yet. Uh, but that really was, I made a conscious effort this last week to try to be happier, as I said on the show on Monday. And I've been making a conscious effort to quell the medical anxiety monster. I saw my doctor on Monday, 77 lab results, all of them normal. My red blood cells, hemoglobin, hemocrit, all of that, everything normal. And yet, I still feel like I'm waiting to get sick or something. I have MRI scans that I have every 18 months on Thursday, tomorrow, and I'm worried they're going to find something in my brain, a brain tumor or whatever, because medical anxiety is real. And here I am being told by a doctor, you're about as healthy as it gets. Your cholesterol is 143 without a statin. You're good. It doesn't mean you're not going to get anything or die. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a heart attack or whatever, but as people go, you're only on two medications, one for your nose, the rosacea, and one, you know, for the blood pressure to stay low because of my aorta. Uh, my blood pressure is normal without the pill. It just keeps it low so it doesn't, you know, put pressure on my aorta. She's all, look, people 61 years old come to see me. They're on six medications, eight medications. They've got all kinds of labs that are wrong. You know, she goes, everything about you, <laughs> everything's great. And the same with Ember. 
you know, her throat problem, her nose problem. These are probably allergies. We're going with that diagnosis. So for her to just suddenly start vomiting out of the blue, it just it just makes my medical anxiety monster just go crazy because I she's only eight. She'll be eight this Saturday. It's her birthday this Saturday. And I'm not ready to say goodbye to her in any way, shape, or form or for her to have any real big illness. Not that you're ever ready, but, you know. So I've been a little distracted because I'm trying. I am trying so hard to turn my life around out here in Las Vegas. I'm going to just be real personal with you here for a minute because my doctor and I talked about this. I can't keep living the way that I'm living, doing the show three days a week, exercising, eating right, and doing nothing else but worrying about health care. You know, only having one or two friends, you know, Heath, Steve, just a few other, Markeen, just a few other people in the area, not being out in the gay community, not having any gay community. Another person at the park, a lesbian, just was talking to me about how she wants to move from Vegas because there's no gay community. So I have a lot of things stacked against my happiness that I'm going to have to overcome because I've got to get back to having more fun. And I've got to get back to working. To, you know, I know I'm disabled, but I can work within the confines of being disabled. I can do some shows. I've been trying to get hold of the Raz Room, but the, the more I see the attacks happening in San Francisco, the less I think you guys are going to want to go to the Raz Room down in Union Square. You know, I so I have been plotting and planning next year being busier so I don't just have time all day to worry about my health or embers. Because it doesn't matter if I worry about them or not. I'm either going to be healthy or not. She's going to be healthy or not. And all the worry in the world ain't going to change that. But the, the deck is stacked against all of us having a great time right now. All of us have our own challenges. Maybe it's not that there's no gay community for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your age. Whatever. We all have the deck stacked against our happiness. And that goes right into Thanksgiving. Travel costs are huge. Right now, airlines, buses, the whole thing, gasoline, four plus dollars a gallon. And then food, according to the Farm Bureau, it's only $68 to feed a family of 10. That's the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard. Because I'm seeing restaurants offering packages for, you know, eight to 10 people that are three to $500. Right now here in Vegas, if I want to order a vegan entree plate, just a plate of Thanksgiving food with a vegan turkey and some stuffing and stuff like that, you know, all the trimmings, $35 for one plate is the cheapest I'm finding. And they're telling you that if you cook at home, you can do it for $6 a person. That's just bull. A sweet potato, one sweet potato is $2. So let's say you buy three. And make that spread out for the six people. Or no, they're saying 10 people. That's five. That's $10 right there. Turkey's $1.70 a pound if you want to eat it. You shouldn't. You should try to be more plant-based on your Thanksgiving. But let's say you do want to eat a dead mutilated bird. It's basically $1.80 a pound. $1.80 a pound. 10 pounds, $18. You know, $36 for a 20-pound bird. It's a pound per person usually. So for 10 people, you should get like a 12-pound bird. That right there is going to be $25. So you're going to spend, I know they say $65, but if you're feeding 10 people, you're spending at least $200, 20 bucks a person. Stuffing, desserts, 
So can you really afford Thanksgiving this year? I kind of can't. I want to cook. I want to make pumpkin pie, and I want to make my dressing, and I want to make things. A, it would just be for me and Steve. And cooking for two people, I'm going to have a ton of leftovers. But B, just to cook for Steve and I would probably t- cost 100 bucks. So I don't know what they're saying, $65 to feed 10 people. Because to feed just two people would cost me about $50 a person. And they know that, which is why they price the plate at 30 bucks, because you're still saving 20 bucks. But by the time you buy butter or, you know, vegan butter, which is like $7 a tub now, regular butter is the same price. By the time you buy, you know, the pumpkin filling, by the time pie crust are $9 for two. So by the time you buy all that, even if it's for a family of four, you're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Can you afford that? I'd like to hear from you down below. Can you afford Thanksgiving this year? Or have you cut back? Are you just not doing it? What are, you know, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Can you afford it? And I know some of you are, oh, Corel, you can eat, you know, for like five, eight dollars a person. No, you can't. You can't. We'll talk more about this on Friday. I am Corel. Be who you want to be, so I'm done hurt anybody. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. Eight days for Thanksgiving, so you better figure out what you're doing, honey. You better you better start buying the groceries. Lord. Lord. Lord oh Lord. As Medea says, it's too expensive hey, to it's eat. Corel. Amber and I would like to thank you for joining us today and remind you there's a way to never miss a thing, and that's by subscribing right now to my YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button below or go to youtube.com forward slash reallycorel. That's youtube.com forward slash reallycorel for a world of great free content. And that content is kept free by the fabulous group of patrons at Patreon. Why not become one and show your support for the show? Just $5 a month or more and you're in. Go to patreon.com forward slash reallycorel. That's patreon.com forward slash reallycorel. My website is reallycorel.com and everything fabulous is there from the show to blog and recipes. Instagram and all social media are, you guessed it, Really Corel. And it couldn't get much easier by simply downloading the free Corelcast app at the app store of your choice. And then all the content from Corel Media will flow right on through. That's the free Corelcast app. Remember, I am Corel. Be who you want to be so I don't hurt anybody. And subscribe and participate today.